kind of came to the forefront in probably the early 80s when um, I was in a situation where it looked like death was imminent. And I cried out to God. Um, and he heard and, and acted. And I really, truly do believe to this day he pulled my butt out of the bacon, out of the fire, and was literally saved. And I remember that night saying to God, I will never, ever forget what you did for me that night. And so life went on for a long time. I became a soldier. I went places. I did things. I saw the world and came home. And I wasn't really looking for anybody. But there was a young lady um, who was praying for somebody, and we just happened to meet. And now we've been married for... 31 plus years and I owe a lot of where we are and what we've done and where we've been to her. Um, we were in Texas. She, we had a, our first child and I remember her saying there must be more to life. And she started looking for, you know, she started looking for a church. Um, we ended up in a charismatic assemblies of God church. Um, it was really strange for me, but that's where we got saved. And they had uh, they had a drama. So um, Reality Ministries came in, and they do a drama called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. And we were the the place was so packed we didn't even sit next to each other. We weren't able to. There weren't two seats next to each other. And I'm watching these little vignettes of you know how these people are just nice people and you know and it goes on and on and on and of course right at the end there's an altar call and kind of through the drama i'm just thinking to myself i'm jewish i'm gonna go to heaven right you know and probably the typical you know arrogance of of all of that but then the question is do you really know where you're gonna go at the end of your days and do you want to know? And I thought to myself, yeah, I really want to know. And so I sat there and I prayed. I literally was praying, God, right? The God that I know, if this Jesus is you and he are one and the same, I want to know. And it was really a heartfelt prayer. And that's where it struck me that, yes. And it was very clear to me that this was the same God. And so that's where I accepted Jesus as my Messiah. Um, and it was a seminal moment in my life, and I think in our life, um, as to the direction of where we were going to go. And the military was no longer a life that I wanted to be a part of. Um, shortly thereafter and we prayed and the lord brought us to colorado and that's kind of how we got here um we've been here since 1998 and we've put together a very nice living and it's been very good and god has been extremely faithful um we ended up in a church that was just down the street from our house and we were there for quite some time. 
excuse me. But I never really felt kind of like at home in a church. And it kind of, I don't want to say it kind of gnawed at me, but there was something about it that didn't quite sit like 100%. I, I could go into a synagogue today and I could sit there and I could close my eyes and I can listen. And there's just something about the music or the sound or the prayers that are like home. To me, it's like like I've never left. And yeah, every synagogue is a little bit different. But And I'm sure some of you can understand that there's this just this feeling of, of you're at home. And church was never quite like that. And we, we were at a really wonderful church. We had uh, mentors and we had people who, who taught us a lot of things. Uh, and some of them actually were, you know, had a lot of uh, belief in the Jewishness of the church. And so it was interesting. And then the church went in a direction that we felt we weren't being led and we kind of got orphaned for quite some time. And every time I would go, we would go to a new place. It just was kind of strange. And people would ask, you know, are you a Christian? And I would tell them, no, I'm not a Christian. I'm Jewish. And they would look at me kind of funny. And I would explain to them sometimes um, that I didn't feel like I needed to be Christian in order to believe in Jesus. I mean, he's the Jewish Messiah. Um, and it was, you know, and beside the fact that I have Jew, I have DNA in me that says I'm Jewish and I just can't change that. And I've, and in, and in the years I've since learned, um, my brother has also come to Christ. Um, but he thinks he's a Baptist. And we had this conversation kind of going back and forth like Jews do. I mean, we kind of argued a little bit about it. And I said to him, I don't know how you can be a Baptist. And he says, well, I go to a Baptist church. And he said, but you're Jewish. And he kind of laughed and I kind of laughed and we kind of left it at that. But it's one of the, it's that, it's really, and it doesn't matter to me what you call yourself. If you're a believer, you're a believer. But there was always something in the background for me um, that church I don't want to say wasn't getting it right, but wasn't kind of in line with some of the things that I was taught and some of the things I believe. And I've always kind of had this feeling that man has really gotten in the way of a good plan that God had. And it's hard to describe but I feel a lot of times, and not necessarily in Joyland because it's very interesting, I feel sometimes I felt a lot like a square peg in a round hole. And it was just not quite right. Not that I didn't fit or didn't have a place because I was welcomed and a lot of people, you know, made relationships with a lot of people, but it's just that odd feeling. And it's, Interesting that in some of the other Snapchats that were, that, you know, took place, Riley mentioned something about how the church, you know, 
wasn't, you know, his, his purview of the church and how things were going and how it didn't draw in, you know, the younger people. And we see that kind of in a lot of congregations. I've seen that in a lot of places. And um, even Adam touched on how, you know, the model of the church needed to change. And so I got to thinking about it and I was wondering, how do you change 2000 years of history? I don't know that you can. Um, and then, Larry, you were talking about um, how when you were at the seminar and you closed the seminar, and one of the one of the guys said, you know, your church really has it. And you're really you're really doing it. And I thought to myself, when you said that, I thought this is really a place. I mean, here we are. We meet on Friday um, and. I don't know of any other church that meets on Friday. And I and I really appreciate the congregation, I mean the people here at Joyland. And I and it probably and I undoubtedly feels more like a home to me than any other church ever has. But there's still these things that I talk to God about. And and I wonder. Why, why does why does the church look at the Bible as two distinct separate parts? I mean, all the apostles were Jews. The original apostles were all Jewish, and they wrote their books from a from a Jewish viewpoint. Uh, Paul, all the all the letters, right? Come. Go to a, you know, and I don't know if it was a synagogue or a church. I don't know what the what the actual words, you know, descriptions were of the of the facilities. And it really doesn't matter. But here's this Jewish guy, right, who's strong and, you know, he was a Pharisee and who was persecuting, you know, believers. Now has this experience and becomes and doesn't change. I mean, he's still Jewish, right? Why, why is that? And I, you know, that's one of those things that I don't know that'll ever be answered. I, I guess I got questions. Maybe one day God will answer them. But those are the things that um, I, I really think about. Um, and the other part is the church as a whole, and I don't want to disparage it, but the church as a whole does never, it rarely talks about the grafted in part of, of Judaism. And I know that when the apostles were, you know, converting people or, you know, taking the Gentiles and they were, they were coming to belief in Christ, there was always an argument or there was arguments about, well, what do we make them do? Do we make them get circumcised? Do they have to, you know, observe the holidays and do they, have to do these things or do they have to do these things and really in order to really become a believer do they have to get baptized or but the grafted in part in churches i've i rarely hear how christianity is the is you know has its root in judaism and again i commend you know you larry for a lot of that because you don't omit the old testament in 
hardly any of your teaching. You do your word searches and you go through the Old Testament. And, and it really impresses me that there are, that there is a, there is a place for a Jewish guy in a, in a church. And I'm so happy to have come to your place. And it's kind of, and it's kind of interesting how we actually, how I actually started coming because Teresa had been attending up at your place for I don't know how long before I before I came, but she got, you know, the information from Holly and Jen. And, you know, the fact that Joyland, excuse me, Joyland met in person during COVID and basically, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to cuss, but, you know, told the government where to go and all that. And that really impressed me because the church we were going to at the time when COVID started, they just literally stopped and churches shut down. And I kept thinking to myself, this is an opportunity, really an opportunity for the church to stand up and say, no, we won't do this. And I'm just pleased and I'm very happy and I um, feel like I'm at home in Joyland. And I just really want to say thank you to you and obviously to my wife and obviously, you know, the Lord um, for challenging me and in my faith and in my, and in my knowing of God and all the people there, all you folks that are watching who have spoken into my life. I, can't say enough and i really want to say i feel like i'm at home and i can't ever ever thank you enough questions yeah that's great thank you for that awesome does anybody have any questions thoughts that came to your mind go ahead jeremy you'll have to unmute yeah thanks for sharing i really appreciate it um, I wondered if if, um, if being Jewish, if if there really is a certain essence of of people in general being against you. If you feel that even today, um, living in America, um, you know, maybe maybe the inside look of of you know, it seems like history has that reputa reputation reputation <laughs> at times of, of of coming against the Jewish culture. Uh, is that something you you feel even today? Well, personally, I have not uh, gotten any of that. Sadly, um, I have been following the news uh, and what's going on in Israel, and my heart is broken in a sense. For those people, um, I am not afraid of what may or may not happen here in the U.S. Um, and but no, I haven't. I haven't experienced any of that personally, and I don't know anybody who has personally. Um, and I hope I never have to. I told my wife. I told Teresa probably a couple of days ago, 
maybe a week ago that if I if I were 20 years younger, I would probably go over there and fight. Okay. Does anybody else have any questions or thoughts, comments? I have a question. Go ahead, Ron. So, Dave, when you say you're a Jewish believer, or at least that's what I'm interpreting, you've said, um, how do people respond to that in other places or anywhere in a in a church environment or in a sin? Do you say that in a synagogue? I would say that in a synagogue. I've been to uh, a synagogue, which actually, <laughs> well, actually, a well, it's called Church in the City. And it's in Denver. It's off Colfax. I don't know if anybody, if, if you ever get up into Denver and you go to church in the city, it is a beautiful old synagogue. And maybe Ronnie, you might recognize this. If you, once you drive into the neighborhood, you realize that this is an old Jewish neighborhood. The building is beautiful. Um, and I would say that in a synagogue, I have no problem. If somebody were to ask me, um, I don't blurt out my faith in Christ in a, in a, in that setting. There's a lot of people that I know my parents, I confessed it to my folks. I tried to speak to them about it. I've talked to other family members and they know where my faith lies. Um, uh, in church, again, you know, you kind of get a sideways look when they, when you, when you tell them that you're Jewish and you're in this church and you believe in Christ. But again, um, I, you could you could call yourself a bottle of water and if you have belief in Christ that's all I that's all I need that's all you need uh, you know labels are just that um they divide us and I'm a believer in Messiah I use different terms I call him Yeshua or there's you know but in when I go to bed at night I praise Jesus and I say thank the Lord and I make my prayers and give thanks for those things. And I, it, he knows who I'm talking to. Mm -hmm. It's not that big of a deal to me. Yeah. Have you ever been um, encouraged to move to Israel? Not, not related to the current war activity and stuff, but just um, I have Jewish roots for those that don't know that both my parents were Jewish from Poland, right? And uh, the uh, Austria was my mother's side. But um, when I went to Israel once, there was a whole lot of Messianic Jews that said they needed me to move to Jerusalem so that Christ could come back. That was sort of their deal. So have you ever been encouraged or pulled on to move to Israel? Well, um, <laughs> I am kind of afraid to go there, honestly, because I'm afraid I won't come back. That's my fear is if I go, I may not come back. I would love to go there. Uh, I have right of return like any other Jewish guy. Uh, and I can bring my wife. I can bring my children. They're both Jewish. They have right of return as well. Uh, my granddaughter could go. She's has right of return because she has a Jewish grandfather. But um, is right of return Aliyah? Aliyah, yes. Okay, thanks. But yeah, I mean, the Lord has not said go. And so I'd love to visit. I'm afraid I won't come back. I really am. Adam? 
I was curious on the the idea of grafted in. Um, any thoughts how we might more any any thoughts how we might integrate some of the the life giving parts of uh, of what you you personally have found in the uh, the Jewish faith into the church today. Um, well, the one thing that I like and I, that I really appreciate is you know the Passover, right? Is when Jen and Holly and it's not a traditional Passover. Um, I applaud their efforts, um, and it's fun to go to. I think those kinds of things um, are that. I think that in, you know, and I don't know, maybe you could do, you know, a Shabbat service or something like that, or I don't know, maybe, maybe if I lent a hand, I could figure out where in the Bible in, the, in a particular week that they're reading from uh, and maybe do, maybe pass that along to Larry at one or one or two, and maybe he could do a sermon on it or something like that, or a teaching. Um, I think the festivals are probably the best way to get that flavor. I think there's a, I think there's a great intimacy in the festivals. Sukkot is a good one. Uh, you're actually living in a booth um, and you're, provision is from God. And I think that we do that as a, as a, as a body a lot. Um, but there's, you know, I, but again, I, I would go back to the festivals and understanding the festivals. I think there's the, that, that intimacy is there that I think the church as a whole can learn, not, you know, uh, but, you know, how do we, how how would we as a body expand on that? I don't. That's the that's the part I think that is to me is seemingly impossible. There, I would have you know maybe I could clone myself a bazillion times and go to a bazillion different churches and have the same kind of thing, but I don't. I think the festivals would be the answer. That sounds good. Everything, everything I've learned about those, there's, there's so much there I didn't know was there, that uh, is a, is a blessing to learn. So, thank you. Yeah, I mean, Christ is, Christ is in all of the festivals. I mean, the the prophecies and the in the festivals that he that he was part of as a as a young man, um, the Passover and Sukkot and you know Hanukkah and the whole nine yards, the lighting of the candles and. Um, you know, I think, you know, and speaking of Hanukkah, right, because we're in it, when you light the candles, you light the shamus first. And the shamus is the tallest candle, and it stands above all the others, and you light that first, and it lights all the other candles, and it is called the servant candle. Hmm. What is our Lord? What is our Lord and Savior but a servant? It's cool. Dave? Dave? Yeah, so I got two questions, uh, primarily about church in the city. Is that where Rabbi Messer is? Was that, it Rabbi Messer? Oh, I have not been there in quite some time. Uh, we were going there, Teresa and I were going there um, back when Stuart, Stewie Lieberman was the, was the uh, lead rabbi there. Um, could probably find easily find out. I'm sure their website probably has it. 
Uh, I ask that because uh, I I think that's where Rabbi uh, the, the synagogue or the that uh, Rabbi Messer was associated with, and he would come to the prisons and he did a he did a class for a year, Hebrew one hundred and one, and it was an absolutely amazing class, an absolutely amazing class. Um, there's another question I had, and I can't think of what it was, so I'll just lower my hand and. If I think of it, I'll raise it again. Oh, I thought of it. Okay. I thought of the question. Okay. So, <laughs> um, Hebrew astrotheology. Hebrew astrotheology. That's one of the things that uh, uh, Rabbi Messer talked about. Like he talked about uh, Rome, uh, Hebrew uh, revelations. Revelations gives us the birthday of Yeshua. And when he said that, everybody was like dumbfounded. Mm -hmm. And he said that it was in the, I think it's the 12th chapter of Hebrews. And I'm looking, to, trying to go to it right now. Uh, yeah, there it is. Okay. I'll say so. Okay, yeah. So the, he says, and I've had this. Uh, I've had a couple of other sources back this up. That Revelation chapter twelve is a set of constellations that happens every year, and he was saying that this is this is telling about this is showing us when Yeshua was born, and. I think it's, uh, I think it might be even Michael Heiser who gets into it and talks about the constellations of Virgo, the constellations of Scorpio, another constellation and, uh, that where the sun is in the middle of it and the moon is at its feet and stuff like that. And that's signifying when Yeshua was born. Have you heard anything like that? Uh, no, I'm not really into the astrology of it. I do have a theory about it, though. And that's interesting that you asked that question. Um, the Bible says that Mary and Joseph went to back home, right, because of the tax collectors, right? They had to, for the census, and they, from what I understand, Rome did census right around uh, the harvest because that's when all the people were going to be going to be in you know in, available to be counted uh, typical harvest is in the fall which would kind of correspond with Scorpio I never I've never thought about it like that but um, I got into a I got into a conversation a very it was a very short conversation online with a guy I have no idea who it was and I asked him I asked him the question I said if if Jesus birthday were so important why isn't it clearly marked in the bible and he said I was blasphemous for asking the question and that's another part about what I love about 
Joyland is we get to ask these kinds of questions. And maybe Larry doesn't know, or maybe it's, I don't know, I don't want to say offensive. Maybe it's a little off kilter, I guess. But, you know, it's, that's, that's the interesting thing. I, you know what? I'm going to look. I'll look in Revelation 12. I've never heard that. Um, I've had uh, a gentleman who we did a Bible study with who actually was a NASA engineer <laughs> um, for a long time. And he did a correlation of the festivals with the return of Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a very interesting timeline and how the festivals line up and with, you know, but of course other things have to happen, but it's a, it's a, it's an interesting study. Um, it was a very interesting study and I probably could get that if you're interested. I am interested. And another thing is looking at all the events that happen on the hall, on, on the festivals, the, the Hebrew festivals, like uh, the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Yeshua's, crucified on the Passover. He's laid in the ground on, the, I think it's the Feast of Unleavened Breads. He's laid in, in the tomb, isn't he? On the Feast of, in, in, during the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Yes. And then he rises on first fruits. Well, he celebrated the Passover before he was crucified. Yeah, uh, yeah he did. Uh, but he's, isn't he crucified on that same, at that same point, uh, during that yeah. same period? Yeah, yeah. And then he's laid in the tomb on uh, the the feast on leavened bread because that begins all, uh, immediately in the evening time, right? And then the first is uh, the first uh, Sunday after Passover, isn't that that's first fruits, isn't it? Uh, or uh, after unleavened bread? Excuse me. I'd have to. I'd have to look. Uh, I'm Passover is an eight day thing. So yeah, if you, if you correlate days, right? Um, and the Last Supper, the Passover that he celebrated was on a Thursday. He was crucified and died on a Friday. We know that because they had to get him down and into the tomb before Shabbat began, right? Um, yes. Into rest, and then he rose on a Sunday. Right, which would be the third day if you count Friday, Saturday, Sunday rose on a third day. So I don't know that there's a significance to the third day of Passover. Again, that's something I could look into. Uh, my wife might know, Teresa. Oh, she's gone. See, <laughs> oh, there you are. Is there a significance to the third day of Passover? Oh, she can't figure out how to unmute. She's trying to unmute. Maybe. <laughs> you can always come upstairs. Yeah, I think Dave is right. Oh, okay. And because the Passover is the first day, and then we go through the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is several days. Yes, and then on Pentecost, it's actually a Jewish holiday, too. Yes, yes. And so our the rabbi was telling us that the the that if you're if you're looking for Yeshua to do something spectacular, blah 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 blah, it usually happens on, and I don't mean just the everyday ordinary things like, but a lot of the things that happen with the a lot of the benchmarks that happen with the Hebrew people and with the history of the world happened on, on festival days, 
and uh, one of the one of the most important of which is the feast of first fruits when yeshua rose he, he was the first fruit rising from the grave after uh passover feast of unleavened bread and then the uh, 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 uh feast of first fruits and so he i thought that was just absolutely mind-blowing incredible but yeah look into that uh Revelation chapter 12 and there's some there's some stuff in the on the web that actually shows you the configurations of the constellation and and how the sun is in the midst of Virgo and a certain time of the evening the the uh, moon is at Virgo's feet and it is it's and I think it happens every year so interesting well I mean if you look at if you look at you know the history of Israel, almost every time that country has been attacked, it's been on a festival day. Yes. Yep. This most recent one was Simchat Torah. Um, you have the Yom Kippur War. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. it's the, yeah. it's a, it's a it's kind of a strange, macabre, weird happening but they know the bible as much as any sure and they know that you know that saturday morning was the festival day and they were all in synagogue and especially you know in the kibbutz um and that was the time to go yeah yeah uh, so a couple things. Uh, Michael and Brenda Walker are the pastors at the church in the city. Uh, I I met Michael or on the phone, talked to him, actually talked to him about Dave and uh, turned out to be Dave's son. But uh, he had had a request uh, from some folks. One of them turned out to be Dave's son, Dave's son, to go up and provide some security. So uh, I don't know if Messer is there, but... Yeah, you can get all the information, contact information, Dave, uh, online, Church in the City. And it's called, um, just to let you know, so you're looking at the right one. Uh, too many computers here. Hang on. Uh, Church in the City. Um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Churchinthecity.org. Uh it's called CITC-BA uh, Beth Oven, I think, or something like that. Anyway, uh, you can find it up there, Dave, on online. And then uh, Dave Gittleman, I got to ask you to do one of the weirdest things I've ever asked anybody to do. Because this was kind of a different setup, we forgot to turn the recording on for about the first minute or so. And I think this is really, really important what you said. So if you could... If you could just reintroduce yourself uh, and that comment you made about nobody wanting to be Jewish. And, you know, if you wouldn't mind saying that again, I know it's, it feels a little weird and artificial, but uh, Greg will be able to edit that back in. And I apologize for not having the recording going. No worries. Um, oh, let me think. So I don't necessarily like talking about myself, but I feel that in this instance, a good background of information of my of my life uh, will provide context for some of the things I'm going to say in the future. 
Uh, I grew up in a basically a middle class upper Midwest city, very Jewish. Uh, my parents were Jewish. Their parents were Jewish, and their parents were Jewish. So I have a lineage going back into the 19th century. And the reason I can say that they were Jewish is because nobody in the 19th century really wanted to admit that they were Jewish. Nobody was converting to Judaism because of all the persecution that was going on in Europe at the time. Awesome. Yeah, that's perfect, buddy. That was yeah. that was professionally redone right there. <laughs> okay, so um, Holly, I believe you have a question. Do you have a question? Okay, Holly's going to be our last question on this. So, Holly, go ahead. I'm kind of being lenient here. <laughs> it's just a logistical. Rabbi Messer is not connected to Church in the City. He has his own separate congregation up in Denver. Just a little FYI. But okay. Right. Do you know which one it is, Jen? Um, so I think it's Simcot. Simcot Torah. They Torah something, yeah. But he has, okay. he has a different congregation up in Denver. But yeah, so just throwing that out there logistically. So, but I have a question because I I love what you said about the 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 two testaments, right? Like, why do we separate? And that's always something that that I struggle with as well. Like, why do we separate? So, growing up with with so much Torah, um, and 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 with the with the Torah, the prophets, with the background. I know you said there wasn't a lot of prophets. You had said that another time when we were talking, um, discussed at, at your synagogue. But but with the background of Torah, what do you think that has added the most as you as we bring in, like as you're looking at at Second Testament, as you're looking at the Testaments of Yeshua, what what pieces of that do you think impacted you the most or help your growth with, with the concentration on the Torah like you've had? Well, there are, well, what people, I guess people would call foreshadow, you know, statements of foreshadowing and stories of, of Christ all throughout uh, the Old Testament. You talk about the blood of the lamb um, and, you know, in the Exodus and there's, there's just in, sprinkled throughout. If you are not looking for it, you won't find it. You know, you won't find anything you're not looking for. Um, and having had the revelation of Messiah, you when you go back and you start reading some of those things, it's there. I mean, it it almost stands out as this is who they were talking about. They just didn't get it. And and I understand why they didn't get it. It's no different than any other government or any other person in power. They didn't want to get it. They they knew this, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the people who were in an authority in, in, in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and Samaria and all that, they knew they weren't going to give up what little power they had. And so um, I think that's really there's a lot of revelation in in the old testament about messiah you know about the christ um that you can see once your eyes are open once the blinders are taken off it's that was the revelation to me it wasn't so much while i was in hebrew school um because they don't the again the rabbis know it's there they're not teaching it because they don't want you to know it goes back to you know if you can't read and somebody is interpreting a book for you, you're not getting, you're getting their view of the book. You're not getting your view of the book. And so um, that's to me is what is 
amazing about uh, the old Torah. The Talmud, I mean, the, the prophets are, are amazing as well. So, and they didn't teach any of that either. Um, you know, we had that discussion about, you know, favorite, you know, you know in our Bible study, they, we had the discussion about, you know, favorite passage. And I go back to Zechariah. Um, you know, they will look upon the one whom they pierced and they will mourn. Um, if you can't get Messiah, you can't get Jesus out of that. You don't want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it was great. Um, this is really good. And uh, appreciate you guys doing it. Yeah, let's give it, give it a pull on there. <laughs>